to Samuel. You can turn to Samuel, but I want you to come to Revelation with me first. In chapter 2. So this is Samuel. I'll say this so we know where we are. But we are in... um, We're going to be in Samuel 23 tonight is where we're going to pick up. But in Revelation chapter 2, real quick, I wanted to um, I wanted to hit something for you guys real quick. But um, So in, in Revelation 2 and 3, just something I want you to be familiar with. Does anybody have any idea? Um, and we studied Revelation here as a church. Maybe some of you were here in those days. Maybe you weren't. But um, Revelation is the only book in the Bible that comes with its own divine outline. And everybody's afraid of Revelation, but there's really no reason to be afraid of it. It it breaks up into three simple categories, present and future. And and so the the first part of um, Revelation and and the three divine sections, chapters 5 through 19, just cover the seven-year tribulation period, which is yet future. Chapters 2 and 3 are seven letters to seven churches and their report cards. Now, one of the things that's so powerful and amazing, I think that we should all be um, very familiar with Revelation chapter 2 and 3. I'd encourage that to be something that, you you know, you're never afraid. Uh, you know, I don't think probably, and me included really, other than this stuff, but um, where, you know, you're just going to get up in the morning and read your Bible and where do you turn? I probably don't imagine too many of us just would think go to Revelation, right? But um, Revelation 2 and 3, I'd like for you to add that to your reading list. And every month, once a month, go and read Revelation chapter 2 and 3 and be familiar with it. And I'll tell you why in a second. But I'll also tell you this and encourage you in, in reading the book of Revelation. Um, if you take it at face value, the Bible says in Revelation that there's a special blessing for those who read it. And I remember sharing that one time with the men's ministry, and I said, I said, listen, whether, we, whether you understand it or not, now the whole point of Revelation, Revelation is the 66th book in the Bible. But in order to understand the book of Revelation, you have to have a working knowledge of the other 65. That's why it's at the end. It's the last book of the Bible, but it constantly references every other place in the Bible through the Old and New Testament alike. And so many of the things in Revelation, um, you you have to use the rest of the Bible to interpret it. And you've heard um, the, the cliche saying in church, which is very true, the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. That, that the Bible um, reveals its, itself, it teaches itself, it commentates on itself. You know, one of the easiest and best um, things I could, simple things I could teach you about studying your Bible is getting familiar with what, what's called a Bible concordance. Okay, the one I recommend is Blue Letter. It's on Blue Letter Bible. And basically the way a concordance works, now concordances, before they were online, you know, when I was a, when, when I first became a pastor, and for a lot of years, really, until maybe like, I don't know, 2012, 2010, I got my first smartphones came out. Anybody know what year the first first year smartphones came out? 1972? Now, it might be my memory's wrong, because this is not like a scientific stat, and I got Brian back there, but I'm going to throw this out there anyways. 
The, the smartphone was invented, released in 2007. That's when the iPhone released anyways. The first iPhone, iPhone 1, I was in line in 2007 in Palm Springs, California with a guy named Ronnie Tabor who ran our IT department who was on a waiting list for months, was super stoked about it. I was completely off the radar, had no idea what it was. I had a, a, a thing I thought was, I was really cool because I wore it on the outside of my belt. And it was a it was a cell phone that was a flip phone like a and I would still three button text no no internet no games and, and I wore it on the outside of my of my belt you know and I had this little thing you push back to pull my phone off at the time the latest which I didn't have one I had another a little flip thing but the, was the razor do you guys remember the razor that was the first like really cool like flip phone it was really super razor thin well about the time that the razor was super popular iPhone was coming out with the very first ever smartphone and um, with, with apps and a, and a touch screen, 2007. So I got one in 2007. And I went with Ronnie and was kind of like, what was going on? And um, so 2007, now that do you think like, oh, my gosh, like I, you can't even hardly think of how life would be without the Internet in your pocket, right? With, with, and, and it's really not been that long, 7, 17 12 years, 12 years. I mean, for my kids, my oldest is 17 and my youngest is boys are, is 14. The boys are close in age, as you can tell, 14, 15, and 17. And, and, and they don't even remember a day when there wasn't a smartphone because they were very young, two, three, four, when they came out. But they never lived a life without it. They honestly, honestly don't remember or have any stories or know of an actual real phone that had to plug in the wall. My boys don't remember that. Like they, they, like, like for me growing up, I would think of like, you know, where you would like ring the thing like this, and you'd have the thing on your ear, and you'd talk like that. Like I never lived that, right? So, but for the kids, that's what they think a regular phone that plugged in the wall was. When I was a kid, it was the greatest. Um, you know, one of the funniest things, and to this day, it's one of the things we we always laugh about. But we had my mom had eight kids. My dad died when I was young. Um, not all were at the home at the same time because. Eight kids, the range in age was, was huge. Um, my oldest sister just turned 61. Um, my little sister's a year younger than me. and um, But the phone would ring at the house. And this was even before, I mean, I remember the days when call waiting came. Like that was it. You could click over. But even before the days of call waiting, like in the busy signal days. So you can imagine a lot of people, and we always had somebody living at our house that wasn't our family and um, so the phone would ring, and everybody would run to try to get, get there first, hoping it was for them. And my brother would always get there first. And my brother would pick up the phone, and everybody would be standing around, like, waiting to grab it from him. It's for me. Give it to me. And he'd go, hello. And then whoever they asked for, is Chris there? And he'd look at you, and he'd go, nope, but thanks for asking. And he'd hang up. And you'd go, oh, what did you just do? And he thought it was the funniest thing in the world. He would laugh. The phone would ring back again. He'd go, Nope, but thanks for asking. <laughs> so to this day, when everybody asks you a question, if you ever hear me say, nope, but thanks for asking, that's where I got it from. One time, one time I was at a gas station with the boys, and uh, this, uh, this homeless guy asked me for money. And I'm sorry, you guys, but it's just true. You, you can go to another church if you want. But um, the, it just came out. I just... It just He's like, okay, Mr. East, bear any change? I said, nope, but thanks for asking. (laughs) 
And, and my boys were with me. They were mortified. Dad, why did you say that? I don't know. I don't know. It just came out. It happens. So, um, all right. That, that was telling you about something. So, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the, uh, the internet in your pocket, that's not what I was talking about. What I was telling you guys was you have now a concordance in your pocket, okay? I used to have to carry this big book around when I was, when I was a pastor and for a lot of years and until about 2010 or 12. And um, then this thing came out. It's called the Blue Letter Bible app. So it has on it um, a lot of Bible study tools, okay? One of them is called a concordance. Now, you can get a concordance in a lot of ways. Nowadays, um, Google is pretty much a concordance, right? I actually have more luck just skipping Blue Letter Bible and just using Google. I just type into the Google search engine a few words from the phrase I'm looking for, and and it'll usually find the verse I'm looking for. If I know the words, then I know what verse I'm looking for. But what a concordance does that's different and why you still need a concordance is because for a Bible study tool, and it's fun to do it. Like if you, you know, some people say, oh, you know, like I don't know what to do or, you know, I need some some activities and some stuff to keep me busy or to to help me study. If you're studying and you find something fascinating in the Bible or you're reading and the Holy Spirit puts something on your heart. So, for for example, the last one I did, um, well, I've done a ton, but the last one I did kind of intensive was when I was in Israel the word arise came up. Now, it wasn't a new word for me. Um, it's the same word that, that Jason chose as him and I unpacked. I taught a men's retreat like five years ago at Joshua Springs, and this was a word that God gave me out of the Bible, arise. And, and so I, um, but that word arise. So what I did, actually I had this ring. This ring is, is I bought this in Israel this last trip, and it's, it's in Hebrew, and it's the word arise in Hebrew. So I, I, I typed into the concordance, arise. And then from Genesis to Revelation, it brings up every verse in the Bible where that word arise is found. Now, if you use words like and or if, they're in a different category. They're not going to come up. But pretty much any word that's in the Bible, 66 books, um, you, you type that word into your concordance, and it'll bring up every, every scripture in the Bible where that word is found. Okay? Some of them are going to have a thousand different scriptures. Some of them are going to have 12 or seven, or 20, and whatever that number is, you, you take a word or a concept in the Bible, and you type it in your concordance, and then you cross-reference it, or you read all the other verses in the Bible that have that word, and, and the word arise is such a powerful, powerful Bible word. What's cool about arise, um, parenthetically, not that this all isn't parenthetically, but um, is that in, in the word arise was used by Jesus. It was spoken by God the Father. It, it was used of the Holy Spirit. It, it was used um, in so many different, from different aspects. Angels, angels use the, the word. It, it, it's, it's just such a, a Bible word, like arise. Abide is my other one. As you guys know, my, my life theme is, is the Bible word abide, uh, uh, to specifically John 15, to abide in Christ. But, but it's such a powerful um, tool that I want to encourage you guys. Now, I, I know that was the Spirit talking to you guys because that, that's just something that you can use. It's something that's practical that, that you guys can use. Blue Letter Bible is the one I recommend. Blue Letter Bible does a, a, a fantastic job. Or the other one, it's called Logos um, Software. The Logos Software package, I think, is sometimes you can get If you get a good deal on it, you can get it for around four grand. So if you want to buy the Logos Software, you can buy um, 
and the logos is, and, and then four grand is the base package. And then for a couple more grand, you could probably release the rest of the stuff that's in it. Um, at least for sure under 10 grand, you could get the whole thing. Or, and I'm serious, or you could um, get the blue letter Bible for free on your phone and use that. The, the, um, the blue letter Bible guys, um, he's a good friend of mine. His name is Steve. He's one of them. He's one of the trainers now. Um, when I was in Bible college, Steve was the um, liaison for Calvary Chapel. He worked for Calvary Chapel Bible College as the liaison, and he oversaw all of the, ex- the Calvary Chapel Bible College extension campuses. And I was a part of the extension campus as a student and then as a leader. And so I got to know Steve in, in 1996 and 97 and 98 while he worked at the Bible College. And then later, years later, Steve um, took a job with Blue Letter Bible, and now he is a trainer. And so what they do is, and we could do it here if we got enough people that were interested, is they'll come to your church, and they'll, they'll bring their computers, and, um, and, and everybody bring your own computer, your own laptop, iPad, whatever you want to use it on. And then they'll walk through, and they'll spend a couple hours training you on, on how to use the Blue Letter Bible app. Um, Lydia uses it on a regular basis, a lot of the um, um, commentaries on there. So on the Blue Letter Bible app, you can listen to Chuck Smith, you can listen to John Corson, you can listen to um, lots of different um, Bible teachers that, that, um, that are on there on the audio tab. And so, um, but anyways, yes, Blue Letter Bible, Blue Letter Bible. Yeah, super, super. And like I said, it's, or yeah, you can, you can download the app or you can, and it's all on the internet as well. Um, blueletterbible.org and, and so you know but you got it, t- it takes a little bit once you play with a little bit you can you can figure it out it takes a little bit of training you click on the verse number and it brings up the sub box and under the sub box that's where you can get the audio commentaries the bible teachings the interlinear you can all your greek hebrew study you can do on there so if you have a word that you want to check what the greek and hebrew on it is and how it's used and where it's used in this translation. That's all on there for free. So you can use that. So do this. Um, actually, nobody has blue letter huh, out or open. I guess I'll have to use Google. Google first love. No, maybe not. <laughs> Be careful with that search. All right, so in, in Revelation um, chapter 2 and 3, uh, real quick, it says, um, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil and you have tested, those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have preserved and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to him to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the garden. So, hey, I brought you here to Revelation for this um, verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you, 
that you have left your first love. What's your first love? Okay, Jesus is our first love. The, 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 the only reason or the only way that you would have um, come to a saving grace in Jesus Christ is through the love of Jesus. Somehow, somewhere, it's the love of Jesus that constrains us. It's the love of Jesus that compels us. And, and so in Jesus' love, and maybe, you know, it's just like, it's like dating or honeymooning. You know, if, if you want to have a good married life, you just do the things you did when you were, when you were dating, when you were courting. The things you did when you were trying to get married, if you would continue to do those things for the rest of your life, you would have a good married life. But we don't do it. We become complacent and we become lazy. And we, we did some things that, um, you know, when we were courting that, that we just won't do anymore. Well, the same is true of God in our relationship of God. And Jesus says to this church in their report card that, um, that, that they had lost their first love. And his encouragement to them was to return to their first love. And, and, and really what I wanted to encourage us, and I think myself as well, because it's something for me that I need to hear tonight, um, to, to return to our first love. And, and so I want to encourage somebody in here tonight. I really think it's from the Lord that, that if you're struggling, if you're looking for some breakthrough or some success in your life, usually where that begins is you returning to your first love. You know, part of the, the reason why we're in the places in the Bible where we are, God knows. God knows years in advance where we need to be. I, I wrote out five years ago, six years ago now, the, the list of the books in the New Testament. After praying and fasting, I went through and I wrote the 27 names of the books in the New Testament in no specific order. I wrote them as I felt like the Holy Spirit was guiding and leading me. And that's the order that we've been following these books. And so when I, when I started Matthew 10 months ago, I looked at my list and I knew James was next. And, and, and so I'm just going to what's booked. So it just happened to be that six years ago, God ordained, designed that this Sunday we would be in James chapter 1. And, and that's just the way I'm going to follow all 27. I got five more left. And I, I announced this a couple of weeks ago that we are close to having finished the entire New Testament. I'm super excited about that. But in James chapter 1, the Bible says that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And God does two things. He gives liberally. He gives generously. And the, and the second thing is that he gives without reproach in, in this verse, which means he doesn't chastise you. He's not mad at you because you lacked wisdom or because you asked for his help. And one of the things that, that I've been encouraging us to do and telling us as a people is to take advantage of these promises of God's word. It's, it's myself included, and please understand that I'm preaching to myself. When I preach the Word of God, I preach to myself, and you guys are in the hearing, so I'm not um, pointing this at anybody or you know, saying that, 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 that anybody in the church is this is their thing. This is preaching to myself and um, knowing that, that this is what I need. But the Bible says if, if you lack wisdom, let you ask God, and God, God will give abundantly. And then, and then the thing that I coupled with that was a couple of the promises in the Bible where God promises you that you will have good success and prosperity. A formula, a biblical formula that God says if you do it, you'll have biblical success and, for, and, and I mean, sorry, you will have um, um, success and prosperity. Multiple times this promise in the Bible. And what I said was that if, you know, I, the one I think of always is Tony Robbins. Right? Is it Tony Robbins? Is he the motivational speaker? Like this guy is a maybe a billionaire. He's a multi quadrillion millionaire for sure. And what does he sell? What? Advice? Um, in what category? 
Huh? Ideas? What do we call that category? Self-help, right? That's, that's that category. So if you go to the library, you, Tony Robbins' books are found in the self-help category. And he, and he sells advice to teach people how to be successful. Seven highly effective habits of the, the, the world's most successful people, right? This kind of thing. Seven habits of, the sev- of, of successful people, right? These kind of things. He sells self-help. But it sells like hotcakes. And, 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 and it, it's massive. You know, people, people want to subscribe to this formula for this guy to give us self-help. And, and, and yet they, they won't take five minutes to look at what the Word of God says that already has those answers and has better promises and better things that God wants to do and give to us. So we'll pay Tony Robbins all kinds of money to go and hear this secret thing he knows that we need to find out so that we can be successful in business and in life. And yet God says in his word, here's the formula for you to be successful and, and, and um, successful in business and in life. Successful in relationship and in business and in life and in finances and in every area of your life. Not to be without struggle. I'm not saying that. Not to be without hardship. I'm not saying that. But absolute prosperity and success. Now, how you define prosperity is is up to you. I define it a certain way, and it's not um, all-inclusive monetary prosperity. I I do believe to some degree that um, to to the level of... um, uh, 30, 60, 100-fold fruit in your life, that God gives that. But, but again, why would we not and why do we not take advantage of the, the self-help that the Bible has, that, that Jesus promised? And we'll sign up for Tony Robbins, but not for Jesus. Now, I'm just going to give it to you. I give it to you every, uh, about once a month I give this to you because it's so important to me, okay? Um, It's so important to us. Jesus says, the word of God says, now it starts with returning to your first love, what I just read in Revelation. And then here's here's the formula. You guys know it? Joshua, it's in Joshua chapter 1. It's in Psalms chapter 1. Okay? In Joshua chapter 1, it says that if you will take this book of the law, and you will meditate on day and night and be careful to do all that is written in it, then you will have good success and prosperity. So good success and prosperity. The same promise is repeated other places and other times in the Bible. Another one is Psalms chapter 1. If you'll take this book... And you will meditate on it day and night and be careful to do all that is written in it. Then you will have good success and prosperity. So you think you, you think you have struggles in your life you can't figure out. You have relationship problems. You have issues, personal issues and personal problems that, that you're having a hard time with. You know, for me, who's going through similar things and same things, it, it's, it's nothing about not knowing the formula. I know the formula. I've been to the Tony Robbins Jesus Conference and, and got the answers. It's doing them, and, and it comes back, and it starts with me. You guys, listen, in Revelation, return to my first love. When I'm struggling, 
When I'm struggling in my relationships, when I'm struggling in, in my pastorate, when I'm struggling in um, areas of life, it, it's, it's not usually. It's 100% because I, I, I ha, I, I've gotten away from my first love. I've got to get back to my first love. I've got to get to Jesus. You know, God told me again, reminded me again today, today, that I, I, I can be, if I want to be, I can be successful in my marriage, in my parenting, in my relationships, in my, in my pastoring, in, 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 in my life, if, if, I'll, if, I'll, if I'll follow this formula. And you know what I do? I do it well for a season. And then I don't do it well. And then I do it well for a season. And then I don't do it well. You know, I've shared this before, and, and it kind of shocks some people, and I, I, I don't know why. I mean, I know why, just, but it's true. And, and, but, you know, I, I tell them my greatest strength is, is personal devotion with Jesus. And people are like, oh, that's haughty. Like, that's arrogant. You know, but it's the truth. And, and coupled with that, my greatest weakness you guys are like, yeah, tell us, Pastor, where's your weakness? What do you struggle with? It's personal devotion to Jesus. My greatest strength is personal devotion to Jesus. My greatest weakness is personal devotion to Jesus. It's something that when I'm doing it, God has blessed me and I, and I do it well. And, 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 I'm, and, and, and I hear the voice of God and I, I relate to God and I commune with God and, I, and I'm in the Word and I, I'm an emotional person. I don't think you have to be emotional, but I know it helps me. I'm an emotional person and so I, I, I weep and I, and I, and I seek God and I, and I get joy and I get Holy Ghost goof bumps and I get all the emotional kind of highs that go with being in the moment of, of being in the presence of God. And, 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 and lots of times and in seasons, man, like that's all I want to do. And then in other seasons, man, I'm really slumping and I'm really struggling. And, you know, I've told people the truth before. I mean, there's been whole weeks where I haven't even opened my Bible one time. Maybe I shouldn't admit that to you, but that's the truth. Or I've just struggled and I've gone, you know, now I, I, I haven't, I at least have to open my Bible twice a week because I preach on Wednesdays and Sundays. So it's kind of hard. God's put me in a place where, I have to be in the Word a couple times a week, and then, and then you know, I spend a couple days for each message preparing. But, um, but there's times where I'm just, and, and maybe there's times even in that, where where that's all that I, that I'm, I'm doing. At least I'm doing that. God's making sure I'm doing that. But just to be reading and being in the Word and spending time with Jesus, where it's not because I have to teach or preach, then 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 you know, sometimes again. You know, one of the things that I that I've that God has done and, and has blessed me with is is a jacuzzi. And and that's maybe something simple for some people, but for me it's a it's an amazing it's it's a huge part of my life. It's a big deal. It's like it, it really helps me um, in times of struggle, and it helps me um, to to have a place and a condition to where I really spend time in prayer, and I have to be diligent to to last in prayer. Because if I kneel on my bed and pray, if I, you know, if I, if, if, you know, I'll be, I'll be praying to whatever rainbow I'm watching in my dreams in about five minutes, you know, like I'll fall asleep or, you know, or my mind will wander and I'll, I'll decide to pray and, and I'll, and I'll start to pray. And then I'm like, 
I'm like in the middle of the fourth inning of the Dodger game, and I'm like in the outfield chasing them. I'm like, what am I doing? Like my mind is racing. I'm who knows where I've gone. And then I get back to what I'm doing, and pretty soon I'm thinking about something else. And, I, you know, so I, I have, you know, some practical things. You know, walking and praying helps, right? You can't, it's hard to fall asleep. It's harder to fall asleep while you're walking. Um, but walking and praying, spending time with the Lord. Um, and, and, again, the, the, the jacuzzi has become a, a prayer wagon, an intimate place that, that I enjoy, that I, that I get alone. And I do early, early in the morning. I, I like to be in the jacuzzi when, when the stars are out and, and not when the sun is shining or not when, the, not when it's light outside. And so that was what I wanted to encourage myself with tonight, you guys, and you guys got to hear it, was just um, our, our first love. Now, here, here's what God told me today, reminded me of again today. And I think I started to say it and I didn't finish the sentence. So what God told me today was if I want to have success in my family, in my marriage, in my relationships, in my job, it's this simple. Get up early in the morning every day and read the Bible. You know, the, the message in, in, in the, for, the, for the nation of Israel is that if, it, you know, in the Old Testament, you guys, it was physical um, battles, right? David fought Goliath physically, right? Goliath was flesh and blood giant, 10 feet tall, 9 foot 6 inches tall. That, that same battle that David fought with Goliath, we fight in the New Testament on this side of the cross. But it's not a physical Goliath, but you and I have fought many Goliaths. You think how awesome David was because he slew a Goliath. Well, you guys have slown Goliaths in your life. Slown, is that a word? <laughs> huh? Slain. You guys have slain Goliaths in your life. In a spiritual realm, in a spiritual battle. And that is the truth. Give yourself credit. You've, you've, you've fought those giants as well. And, and so they're, they're, they're spiritual on this side of things that, that were, were, were flesh on the other side. So, so as they, you know, as they fought those things, we, we fight them in a spiritual battle. But um, so the manna in the Old Testament was a physical example of a spiritual truth in the New Testament. The manna, they literally would starve to death if they didn't get up early in the morning and collect the manna. Why? Because what would happen by about 11 o'clock in the afternoon, 10 o'clock in the morning? The manna was gone. And you would starve that day if you didn't get up and, and, and collect the manna. But wait, what if the day before you collected enough manna for today so you could sleep in? Ah, I outsmarted God. Then you go to the pantry and you go to get the, the manna that you stashed in there from yesterday when you open the pantry, oh, God, what is that? The Bible says that it would stink like rotten fish. Dude, we, 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 we caught some catfish, and we threw all the guts in a trash can outside my house. Dude, you talk about the most disgusting, foulest smell you've ever smelled in your life. That was two years ago. Yesterday, I went out and moved that trash can. It still smells like them fish. I did. Don't tell my wife because I used like half the bleach. It was so nasty. I filled the whole trash can with, with the hose and bleach and left it for two days, hoping my neighbors wouldn't find it. It was nasty. I should have thrown the trash can away two years ago. Um, but it was like 12 bucks. I didn't want to throw it away. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's what the manna would do. It would stink. 
It would rot in the cupboard. And, and listen, that was a real life deal for the nation of Israel. And they had to, and it's a, it's a lesson for you and me that goes with everything else God is trying to tell us in the Bible. And as simple as this and as powerful as this, listen, you want your entire, and I say this all the time and you guys, but don't worry, I'm with you. I'm the same way. Okay. I get it. I want to do better. I want to change. And I don't necessarily want to do better. That's hard because I don't do anything like I want to love Jesus more because if I love Jesus more then I'll do better. But um, if, if we will, if I will do something as powerful and as simple as every day of my life from now until Jesus comes back, if I'll do one thing, I'll get up every morning and I'll read the Bible, my whole life will change. My whole life, and I'm not, I'm not telling you that that, that, that means you're not going to have struggle. That's, that's, you will have struggle. Jesus had struggle himself, right? And he was God. That's not the point. But you'll have success. You'll love your life. You'll love who you become. You'll love who you are. You'll deal with all the stress and all the problems in your life so much different and so much better, right? And again, you guys, it's like, you know, we, we, and not you, I'm not saying you, I'm saying we, right? Why, why don't we, seems like if something is this powerful and this, this valuable and this clear in the Bible, that we would all just be those people. You know, like, why don't we do that? Why, why don't we just, you know, you know, when um, I, I, I uh, the, they started a new church in, uh, in Stansbury. It's called uh, Lakeview. Um, the pastor's name is Phil. And so I reached out to him a couple months ago when he first got here and uh, took him out to lunch. And actually, he took me out to lunch, I guess, because he paid. Um, we went out to lunch together. And uh, since then, Phil and I have hung out a couple times. I brought him here and showed him what was going on. I went and checked out his place. He, he's called me a couple times. I've called him a couple times. He called me the other day for some advice on something, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I, when, when I got here, God gave me a recipe to success. A bona fide, God-given recipe to success. And I've done well with it in seasons, and I've done really bad with it in other seasons. And, and it's this, this simple. This is what God told me. He said, if you'll get up every morning and collect enough manna for your family and for your church, and that's it. On another note, in a very simple way, and kind of coupled with that, is God said, love the people, teach the word. But I'm not going to be able to love the people, or love the people and teach the word is what God told Lydia and I. But that, that, that's not something I can do. I can't love the people and teach the word. But what I can do is I, is, I can, is I can collect manna because that manna is the energy. It's the, it's the spirit food that I need that, that fuels loving people and teaching the word. You get that? Right? Like teaching the word is not a craft that I could, that I could study, you know, 20 hours this week and, 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 and do all these things to, to, to really do well at doesn't work that way. Maybe for some, but not for me, for sure. Teaching and loving people is a byproduct of collecting manna. 
the success in your life is a byproduct of collecting manna. Are you guys following that? Yeah? It's a byproduct. It happens naturally. It's fruit. How does fruit grow on a lemon tree? How do lemons grow on a lemon tree? Does the lemon tree, like, work hard to produce lemons? Do the branches, I mean, work hard to produce lemons? Do you ever see a branch on a lemon tree in your backyard go, lemons, like, and squeeze and try to make lemons come out? Is that what it does? What does the branch do in order to form lemons? One job. It only has one job. If it can do that one job, it'll produce fruit. Stay plugged into the tree. If it stays plugged into the tree, then naturally lemons are going to grow. Right? Why? Who's the tree? Jesus. He's the, he's the vine. What are we? He's the true vine. We are the branches. And the branches have one job. Abide in Christ. And if we abide in Christ, then, then, then the, the, the fruit naturally comes. If we take that same branch, whether it's barren or whether it's lovely and covered with tons of fruit, and you cut the branch off, and we bring it out here and we put it on the stage. Next week when we come back, what is going to be the condition of the fruit? It's going to be withered and wilted. Okay, is there going to be new fruit that had grown on it in the week that, that it sat on the stage? Will new fruit grow on that branch? No, absolutely not. That branch will never again produce fruit unless somehow it's grafted back into the tree. Okay, so for you and I, the, 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 the abiding, where that tree, where that branch meets the tree, that connection area, where, where the nourishment comes through the roots, the water, the, the, the materials that are necessary, the chemical processes that happen that go into the branch that produce a lemon, that right, they, they come through that area right there where the branch meets the tree. That's, that's called abide. That's the biblical word abide. And that's what Jesus told you and I to do was abide. He didn't say anything else. He didn't say be a good dad. He didn't say be a good preacher. He didn't say be a good businessman, be a good mother, be a good employee, be a good wife. He said abide. And then if you abide, you will be a good businessman. You'll be a good wife. You'll be a good husband. You'll be a good father. Because it's a byproduct of abiding. Bearing fruit is a byproduct of abiding. Having success and prosperity is a byproduct of collecting manna, abiding. Amen? Amen. Let's end with that. We're going to do Samuel next week. Is that all right? Okay. Um, let's have the worship team come up and close us close us in a song. Um, you know, um, I, I don't apologize, guys. I'm sorry, but not sorry. Um, you know, I, I really felt like, and again, you guys, that was for me. So I had to preach to myself tonight, and you guys got to be a part of that. Um, so on the tape, bro, I don't know. We're definitely not calling that Samuel. Maybe we could just call that Church Family Talks. Abide was at the end. We talked about a lot before that. Um, success, prosperity. Call it how to make lots of money. People will listen to that. Um, let's stand. And so maybe you have or in a place in your life where you've lost your first love. Um, and so, or, or maybe, you know, I, I think oftentimes, you guys, 
We, we don't. I don't anyways. I don't lose my first love. I don't ever become like a not Christian. But I am a Christian who, who has valleys and, um, and mountaintop experiences. I'm a Christian who, who has seasons of, of being close to God and, and intimate with God and doing well in my devotions. But, you know, the, the thing that I, that I often tell you guys, and it was a whole night tonight to reinforce it, is that you, you don't need anybody in your life to follow Jesus. Okay? You don't need me. You don't need a bishop. You don't need a priest. You have a, a, a high priest. You have an advocate who, who is your high priest. You have a mediator between you and God. That is the man Christ Jesus. You have Jesus who, who you have complete and total access to in your life through abiding and collecting manna. Jesus tells us to collectively gather as a local church. God says in, in the recipe of success, in the recipe of life, of being a Christ follower, it's necessary, it's required that you be a part of a local church. The Bible says that. And people that tell me, oh, I don't have to, be a, I don't have to go to church to become a Christian. Well, they, they know that, 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 that they can say that biblically because coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. No more than being in a garage makes you a car. But if you are a Christian, you should want to go to church. You should want to gather with other believers. It's just proof, you know. I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm the world's greatest soccer fan. Man, I love soccer. I don't have to go to a game to love soccer. I don't have to watch it on TV. I, I, I don't have to play it. I don't have to read about it to love soccer. Well, no, but if you really were the world's greatest soccer fan, wouldn't you want to watch it on TV? Wouldn't you want to go to the games? That makes no sense. Kind of. So, so yeah, you, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but if you're a Christian, you should want to go to church. God calls you and tells you to not forsake the gathering of the brethren. So, yes, church is, is a part of what God designed in us to grow. But, but it's, it's not the thing. If, if you're super diligent like you Wednesday night folks are, you're in church three, four hours a week. If you come to a ladies' or a men's study, you get four. If you don't, you get three. And you have 164 hours left in your week where, where, where real life happens. You, you can't eat for an hour and a half twice a week and, and be healthy. You have to be feeding every day and eating every day. So simply and, and lovingly and encouragingly, listen, let's be a people who pray. Let's be a people, and if you want to have success in your life, here's what I'm promising you tonight. And this is free. You're not going to charge you extra. We didn't even receive an offering tonight. You want to have success and prosperity in every aspect of your life? Get up in the morning earlier, half hour, an hour earlier than what you normally have to get up and spend an hour with God in the Word, praying, spending time with the Word every day of your life including Sundays before you come to church. And your life will be banging. Amen? Amen. Let's worship the Lord.